0: Hey folks, welcome back for another episode of Tanzu Talk. This week I sit down with Paul Palafas, uh, the first voice you'll hear after mine, who works at a healthcare insurance company, as well as Jonathan Regeer, who works at a consumer electronics manufacturing company. And in this conversation, we get two different perspectives on digital transformation. We talk about what does good look like? We talk about how is a healthy software culture sustained and how is it killed? And we also talk about the difference between grassroots and executive-led transformation. So, enjoy. All right, welcome back for another episode of Tanzu Talk. Uh, I think at some point we'll actually get the graphics and the name of the podcast to match the new name, Um, all the work in progress with me today i have uh two gentlemen who are going to be kind of playing some different roles in a conversation here uh but you know playing themselves of course why don't each of you first give a quick introduction of just what your role is and kind of what what you're bringing to the to the conversation today
1: sure I'll, i'll start so um Within our organization, we kind of have uh, a portfolio that has done some of the digital transformation that we're going to talk about today, Um, and and this was a portfolio that did not exist prior to, um, you know, uh, four or five years ago when we really kind of started this stuff. So this is really um, in the sense of uh, our enterprise. This is uh, a newer and more uh, immature, although it's like five years old now. Um, portfolio. So um, within and the portfolio, I
0: sorry, started as and of what portfolio of what?
1: Oh, sure. Sorry. So the way we organize within my company is there's different um, business areas, and um, IT aligns to those business areas um, where you have like a business group uh, specific to some sort of functionality, or um, in, in most cases, uh, very domain specific. And an IT group that supports that the same way. So this, our portfolio um, doesn't exactly align in that type of manner. We were um, challenged and, and kind of built to support um, digital products uh, and build digital assets for um, more or less the entire enterprise. Mm. So we don't have a kind of um, neat fit that the rest of our, uh, our it organization has um so within my portfolio um i started as an engineer um i was an engineer for a long time and you know kind of did some api and mobile development and then kind of since then had moved into more of a a leadership position where um now i'm a, a senior manager for our digital solutions which is a fancy way of saying our apis and our uh member facing, uh, products. Um, but I kind of help all of the products, um, become, uh, what they need to become. So I help remove blockers, talk to the, our business partners, um, you know, move these products out as they become mature and, and kind of do that. So I'm really, uh, supporting, uh, most of our portfolio in one sense or another.
0: Okay. Okay, so that, yeah, that's interesting to kind of think about, you know, other folks may recognize themselves either in that sort of we are aligned to business units or we're in kind of horizontal practices. So that'll be interesting to kind of bring that, you know, what does it mean to, to come at this from that horizontal practice? Jonathan, how yep. much you Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, so I think we are in about year four in our cloud native journey, maybe actually year five. One of the one of the development. So, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, I work for a consumer electronics manufacturer. Um, we're kind of siloed across the business units as to who does, or you know, the one silo handles uh, wearables and other handles uh, avionics things like that. Um, and then I'm in the IT department. So we deliver a lot of core services to uh, the company, and uh, so so we had a we had a real big need to be able to. Uh, modernize how we were delivering those services and um, before we got on cloud foundry we were delivering uh, functionality every week or every two weeks you know we did the bring out your dead pile up a giant pile <laughs> to production and hope for the best and um, we've all discussed you know the smaller the releases the more benefit there is for uh, for the organization and the easier it is to solve problems et etc so we knew we had to do something different, and um, one of our, or my, my director at the time, held Netflix up kind of as the holy grail, and, and his interest was, hey, Netflix is releasing every hour, and we're releasing every week. How are we gonna compete? Um, we then uh, POC'd Cloud Foundry at a hackathon and had an app running, and were able to do blue-green deployments of things. With you know less than an hour or two of experience in the platform, and we've gone from there. It's been it's been fantastic. Um, we have been we've we've had a, a grassroots trans- transformation. So we've we basically sort of we picked a couple of key apps and we just said okay we're going to do this and we did it. And and then we started to use those apps as kind of the hey look this is what you this is what's possible this is what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then building pipelines around that and all that kind of thing um, really got us to the place where we have a lot of applications that are able to deploy hourly and where we don't ever roll back. We only roll forward. So that, that's been really successful for us. Uh, what has been a challenge, as I mentioned earlier, with different silos in the organization, you have a lot of different checkbooks and a lot of people can, can do their own thing if they want to. And that has proved challenging for, um, for us doing a a grassroots transformation. We can get into that more later. Um, Oh, in my role, uh, when we first started, I was a software engineer and I'm now um, a system architect and I I focus on platform. I kind of have a cool title that is weird, but it's internet architect. So apparently me and Al Gore, we build the same things. And also-
0: Yeah, you build a series of tubes.
2: Uh, Yes, we do, we do build (laughs) tubes, yes. Yeah. And pipelines, which are tubes.
0: Those are tubes. All tubes. All yeah. of it. Um, you're architecting the tubes, actually. The tubes. Yes. Yeah. yes. An internet architect. Okay. Love it. Do you capitalize the internet? We do. Yeah. So, uh, okay. You
2: know Have that going for me.
0: Yeah. Capital I. Internet.
2: Yes. yes. Yeah. Big internet.
0: Big internet. Um, yeah. This, that's just one of those copy editing things that you know. I just. I don't know why it just amuses me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Oh, well thank you both for that sort of introduction to the, you know, high level view of the the journey that you, you've each been on. And I, I like the kind of different perspectives that, that you're each bringing to the table. Um, we're going to talk about digital transformation, um, and, uh, sort of demystify it a little bit and get, get real specific about what that means. Um, from, from a couple different viewpoints. So, Paul, you had kind of a great uh, sort of setup for me about just sort of what does good look like um, as a good starting place. So why don't, why don't each of you share a little bit of, from your perspective, as you've each been on uh, this journey for a couple of years, going cloud native, uh, which is sort of part of what you might call a, a digital transformation journey journey, what have you seen that you're like, oh, this is working. This is good right here. Um, Paul, let's start with yep.
1: you.
0: Sure.
1: Um, so our best kind of time period with with um, what we've been building for, for our organization really was um, a period of time when our, or, our, our organization identified that um, to be competitive in today's landscape. Um, Not only did we have to be an insurance company, but we also had to be uh, a software company. And we kind of took uh, a period of time when uh, we kind of took this rag tag uh, group of engineers and uh, headed over to Pivotal Labs at the the time here in Chicago. And we decided that um, it it was time to figure out how to work differently. And um, while we were, were, at, were at labs, we had a couple of, of things that were to um, come out of, of labs as, as products. And initially, we, we thought we were building one thing, but it kind of morphed into another. Mm-hmm. But um, the best part of that, and, and what, what I mean by what good looks like, is um, we were the owners of our own destiny. Meaning... Um, there was no kind of intake or, or anybody telling us like what we needed to build. It was, um, some of our, some of our leadership at the time within, you know, this kind of smaller group that was going over there. And it was, um, let's solve a single business problem. And what is, uh, that problem that we, we can solve with, without like a a whole lot of, um, interference or, or, um, just kind of injection from other folks in the organization. And we really were able to attack the problem in in a manner that, uh, proved to be really successful, um, as opposed to, you know, years later, when you're back within the organization, you're kind of back in the four walls of, of your organization, um, trying to to fend off with um you know the the um the mob outside with with pitchforks and fire trying to tell you what to build and that's been a little bit more challenging um because they they see the output of what we built in 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 the kind of the ideation that we went through to build um a product and and capabilities that were going to be successful for the organization but um, you know, without the, um, constraints of, uh, here, this is what we want you to build. This is, here's your requirements. And, uh, that was kind of never going to be successful in, in the model that we're kind of, uh, uh, built to do, but, um, just kind of, uh, keeping the wolves at bay on that kind of stuff. So while we were insulated and while we were just a a very like tight and, and smaller group, much, much easier. As it starts to scale out, it becomes much more difficult.
0: So, uh, yeah, one thing I, I want to clarify there is when you say, you know, we were the owners of our own destiny, who's the we in that?
1: Yep, so that was really just kind of the group that was over there. Um, there but was...
0: But the I, group, are think... software, like a, a team of software engineers? Was it... You, know, you, you described before like different business units. Was it when you're, it was just in a particular business unit or, or division or something?
1: Yep, this is perfect. This is a great question, Jermaine. Um, so uh, our group was a, a group of kind of um, a few like visionaries within our organization that were kind of starting this digital portfolio before it was a portfolio and then a group of engineers Um, and then kind of some, uh, product managers too, who kind of did a whole different, um, uh, look at what, what, you know, the whole product, uh, lean product and product mindset kind of looks like. So we were all figuring this out together, um, on problems that we defined ourselves. So it wasn't anyone, um, imposing, Hey, we have this problem. How do we, how do we go at it? Um, it was more or less like, Hey, let's kind of ideate on what do we see as problems within the organization and and how do we go about fixing them um, from ourselves? So I don't think there was any um, perceived kind of uh, when they leave here in X amount of days or X amount of months, we expect to have this product available for the organization, I think was more um, an attempt to see what's possible. What is, what is writing software in a different way look like? And um, does it produce different outputs and outcomes is, is, is actually uh, a better, better word to use in that case.
0: Okay. So there was sort of a, there was a, a, a golden period of time um, early on when sort of the light bulbs were going off and there wasn't a lot of attention yet on what was, what this team was doing. And so there was a high degree of autonomy.
1: There was, that's right. There's a lot of interest. And, you know, we had all sorts of people rolling through lab just to kind of check out what we were doing. And, you know, we, we'd see, um, uh, you know, people from, from the business and then like, it started to come more and more and that it, it, all of a sudden it was all sorts of people rolling through there, just kind of checking out and, Ooh, okay. I like what they're doing. This looks interesting. And, um, then there started to be all this kind of, uh, well, what if you had 10 more engineers and what if, you know, we saw this thing. So all of that, and of course you want to be successful in in any endeavor you're taking on. And, um, you know, kind of that smallish group was, always likely to balloon out a bit um it's when you see um every business group within your organization knocking on your door that it becomes more difficult because um bandwidth is finite at least you know kind of in our setup we can't scale to um fulfill all the business capabilities kind of requested of us in in the organization. And um, I think we've done a fairly good job in um, uh, kind of not picking and choosing, but um, kind of attempting to solve problems that would um, benefit like kind of more or less a multitude of consumers. So uh, that's been really good. And we've done a good job at it for the most part. Um, I, I think there's, you know, I think Jonathan alluded to this earlier and, um, when people start coming with their, their, uh, checkbooks and, and, and say, Hey, you know, I've got the most money. I want, I want this kind of thing. And, um, you know, as, as a group, we, we look at it and, you know, I, I see what you're, you're, you know, trying to do and that's valuable probably to you, but that doesn't solve problems for, um, a larger group. So, um, Telling people no is really hard. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sounds like there's a little bit of almost the uh, like when you're a victim of your own success um, yeah. to that story. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, let's let's kind of get your perspective on you know what does good look like in in the process of going cloud native and digitally transforming.
2: What Paul said, I think uh, I agree with a lot of that stuff, and I think from from slightly different angles, we did a lot of the same thing. Um I think good really looks like, like your engineers wanting to transform it's difficult for people to change for whatever reason whether it's not you know, something that they are personally wired for or um, they like how things are or they want to do things the way that their idea comes across so it, it it's a it's a challenge to, to get to get people to change and and um, so for me, good is getting to a position where the develop the development staff is like, I want this thing that you have, and and I will, I'm willing to change to get it. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's one of the things. Um, and again, with change and with culture, that's really hard. And you, it's it's one of those things where you can't really just go to an organization of say 300 people and say, we're going this way because you know. Ten percent of them are going to be like, "Oh, that's awesome! I'm running. Let's go!" And then you know they get ahead of you, and eighty percent are like, "I like it in my old dirty queue. Don't don't talk." To me. Right, and then you have a few that are that are like, oh, "Okay, whatever." Right. So, getting the developers to a point where they want to change and getting them at least to um to to give you the chance, I think that's for me that's that's good. And getting there is we, we found that to be really difficult. That's, I think where like us coming in at, at a grassroots approach and, and trying to do that a group at a time, um, we had some success with that. And I think
1: <clears throat>
2: we could have probably done better had we had a little more, um, actually, no, I take that back. That worked really well for us going at it a group at a time. Um, cause, cause I did have, I did have, um, executive air support from a small group of people, um, I think where I would like to see it uh, change, for, at least in my company, the fact that we're siloed means that I have limited culture. I have cultural influence in a portion of the company, but when it's time to go, okay, let's let's take this to the next level. We're going to take this to a whole other, other division. That's where there has to be some level of, I think, um, some level of, of executive buy-in that you've got to, you got to work on both directions. Then.
0: Okay. So just to recap that a little bit um, and make sure I that's got, I got this right. I, I agree. Right. Like, I think everyone can agree like change is hard. And what you're talking about is almost more when folks are inspired, you know, like that's often where change happens is it's not because someone says, now you must do this, right, to your point where someone says, hard left, everyone, and, you know, 10% will do it, Mm -hmm. um, at least willingly. Uh, But to really get people to the point that you're talking about where the developers are, they have a willingness to work differently and to potentially build differently and think differently, to get to that point takes inspiration which is sort of one of those things it's really hard like how do you teach inspiration how does well, that like no one's yeah. linked no one's LinkedIn uh, profiles like i've been endorsed 75 times for inspiration right. um but that is kind of what you need right so you kind of get it from like that's coming from within you did find success very grassroots going group to group but then there's almost like we're going group to group within one pond you know, I'm just imagining like lily pad to lily pad. Mm-hmm. Just go with it. I don't know where this is coming from. Whoops, um, <laughs> and then like, you know, uh, 20 feet away is another pond, right? And you've got to figure out how, like we could do this lily pad to lily pad thing in the next pond, but like we, we have to get across this big bridge of land. Um, I'm, I'm just picturing like portage with like a canoe I, I'm not just just go with it um and that's where you kind of like hey we we, we did okay going lily pad to lily pad in in this pond because we kind of had a little momentum we didn't uh-huh. need so much of this like exec air cover but to get across this big chunk of land in order to be able to do this again in another pond that's where we're gonna need some help right yeah. because yep. we're gonna lose our momentum we're we're amphibians and uh, we're we can cross land but we're not really built for it Right, right. Again, yeah, the amphibian thing. That's I don't really know what that
2: amphibious canoes. There you go. Can I add one more thing to it?
0: Yes, especially if you can work in the lily pads.
2: All right. So one thing that worked really well for us is when we could show that hey, look, this nicely developed lily pad that's got like some little houses on it and apartments. Like, this one's working well, and and the the people there are happy. When you when you have that, it's really easy you've got to build it high enough that the people in the other lily pad can see it. And then when they can see it and they go, Hey, that works. Let's try that. Mm. Um, so find I think maybe the key there is, is you have to find the right group to start with. And if you find the right group to start with, if that group's willing to change and you can make that group really successful, then all of a sudden now, not only do you have, um, you know, you've got your platforms first win, but now you have the ability to go to other people and go, Hey, look, see this, we're asking for something of you, but look at all the stuff you're going to get. This, this is, this is going to be a win for you, even though it might hurt a little in the short
0: term.
1: Yeah. That's actually where I wanted to, I wanted to go and and add on to that point, Jonathan. Um, I I think like finding that right group is is really key and, and difficult and, um, I know, you know. If if I'm just kind of speaking personally here, I was probably I was very close to like my end here with what I was doing. Um, I it was probably um, nearing the point where I, w- I was ready to do something else. Um, I kind of exhausted everything at the company that I, I wanted to do or was kind of interesting within the company at the time um, had this kind of new, uh, group come along that, you know, I, I got to be part of at the, you know, very, very beginning. Um, I, I, probably would have missed this whole wave. So, uh, part of it is right place, right time. So I, I was in a position where I was kind of able to, to come over and, um, kind of start doing the, the, the new way of building software and, and, uh, thinking differently about, um, how to solve problems. And, um, it was inspiring. You're right. You're, that's, that's a great word for it. It was inspiring. And, um, you know, we had like a very tight group of, of zealots, uh, of people that were, um, wanting to do this all kind of very, uh, collaboratively. And, um, it it was awesome. And just having, Uh, that type of uh, environment to, to wake up to and and go to every day. Um, that's what you need to get this started. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so excited to wake up every day and come to work. It was no joke. It's, um, you know, that, that makes the difference between people that are, that are motivated and, and, and want to do, want to do their very best and, and people that are, Um, you know, come and, you know, they, they put in their aid or put in whatever. And, you know, that, that's it, but this is, this is different. This feel you know, felt very different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I found, I felt that way about my time at, at, at Pivotal Labs as well. Uh, And we, we tried to build, uh, I shouldn't say we tried, we built a lab at Garmin. It wasn't, uh, it was a small one and it wasn't, I, I wouldn't say it was outfitted quite as well as a Pivotal Lab was, but, we were able to get the excitement and the culture across to the groups that would come into it. And I did get responses like, I can't go back to working in a cube again. I can't go back to the way that we built software before. So yeah, totally agree with what you said,
1: Paul.
0: So this kind of maybe, yeah, gets,
1: and you're, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, that's great. And, and we did the same thing too. When we came back, we, we, built out our whole space it's very closely mirrored what was at labs but um you know i think that's kind of what we're talking about here too is digital transformation and what is good and what is bad um culture is a big piece of that culture is um what keeps people coming to work and um that's the thing that you have to guard against the closest because uh, if that culture starts to fall down, that's when um, all the practices, all the kind of um, the, the the guardrails you put in place for that type of uh, work and in in, in in doing things differently, uh, will fall down very quickly if, if if you kind of let your culture erode. And as your organization um, transforms and um, scales out, how you keep that culture and how you um, kind of pass that on to the next generation, because there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to do this work with you as partners, as new engineers, as new hires, as, um, you know, people are going to come in as, as interns, as grads, and like all sorts of people are going to come in that hadn't had the, um, the luxury of, of seeing it, um, so pure. So, um, Mm -hmm building that culture and um, keeping that culture alive and and just kind of fostering that and nurturing is probably the word I'm looking for here. Nurturing that culture is, is probably the most important thing um, to keeping a successful and happy group together, for sure. Yeah.
0: And what are the kinds of things that you've seen work for nurturing a culture and keeping it alive? And what are the kinds of things that you've seen sort of rapidly erode a culture and just cause it to, to slide back or disip, like that culture disappears. And I I often kind of define culture a bit of like, what is the expected human response to a situation, good or bad? Um, and that can be a situation that's as simple as how we start our day, to um, how do we deal with an outage, to... How do we deal with a new release? Like you know, birthday parties and uh, funerals, and like these are all the hallmarks of kind of our our human culture, you know, at large. When you translate that into a software organization, like, <clears throat> what I like to get specific a little bit of what do we mean by that, and then how do you sustain those the things that you want to keep, and what are the kinds of things that will quickly undermine. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the hallmarks of a healthy culture that you've seen.
2: Um, yeah.
1: So go ahead and Jonathan.
2: Oh, uh, so I, one of the things I was going to say, I had, I had one group come in that um, <clears throat> they, they had some interesting uh, cultural limitations, I guess, maybe, maybe would be a way of putting it. Um, there were some constraints that, that they didn't have the power to change mm-hmm. because of those constraints. Uh, they had, they were being scrutinized a little more closely, I, I think, than they should. And one quick way that I saw their culture die was when one of their managers came in and said, how am I going to get my burn down charts off of this when you guys are doing things differently?
0: Mm. Yeah, how people are measured. That's kind of yeah. a big one.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the things I noticed from Pivotal when I was at Lab's Maybe I totally missed it, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of formal measurement around the groups that were either uh, working with other teams to build things, like if I came in as a client and there were pivots that joined me. But even uh, I got to tour the San Francisco lab, and I think, I believe that was one of the ones where they were actually building Cloud Foundry. And there weren't numbers anywhere. What I did see was a giant board that had all of their pipelines on it, and it was green. And we talked about it a little bit. And they said, if any of these things turn red, the whole group stops what they're doing and they move to attack that thing as if it's a cheetah chasing down a gazelle. Mm. And that seemed like it was basically their measurement. Are we green or are we not? And I'm sure... Uh, just from some conversations that I had I know there are anchors and, and some other leadership roles there I'm sure that that there was a pretty decent uh, what's the word I'm looking for the people that needed to know probably knew who was really performing and who wasn't and I'm sure that they were being compensated appropriately or I should say I would I would assume they're being compensated appropriately but it the the playing field, felt really level and there didn't look like there were a ton of measurements and I don't hate measurement, but I, I have problems with measurement for measurement's sake.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And that, that, the echoes other stories I've heard where it's like, okay, well, what's our velocity, you know, and it, what's the burn down, how am I going to get through my burn down?
1: Ban um, on your metrics.
0: Yeah. It's, it's something to measure and it's something that's very, it feels very immediate, but in the grand scheme of things, it, does it really actually connect to what's going to be impactful for the business? Um, You know, so uh, Paul, actually, you know, your, your colleague uh, we did a a webinar last summer and he had some great insights into um, you know, how he was starting to, to measure things all the way through to, okay, are people, are the call center calls going down, right? That's a like that's a meaningful impact. Yeah. Uh, because people are getting what they need from the mobile app. And so it's, you know, you could you could have a lot of feature velocity to get through, or you could have not so much. Doesn't yeah. really matter. What matters is are people calling the call center less because they get the answers that they need? So right. uh, I hear yeah. you. It's like it's a different level of of measurement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, totally that's, that's good. That's, that's, that's actually my boss, <laughs> but uh, you know, we were, we were kind of as a group um, we were challenged to um, what are the metrics that matter to us? And, and we kind of looked at that and um, we kind of looked at, you know, how, how quickly are, are we able to, to respond to issues and those kind of things? How quickly are we deploying? How, how quickly are we, you know, adding new business capabilities and those are the things that are um, important, you know. Not that you're 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 pushing points in, in, in velocity and all these kind of things. Those are fine, but you know, how is it how is it ultimately uh, impacting your your members or your customers or all of these kind of things? Those are the things you want to measure. Uh, measure what matters. I I, I think is a obviously a very famous book. Um, these are kind of um, you know, looking at objectives and, and kind of some of the key results to, to build um, differentiating products that deliver, um, deliver value immediately. And, and those are the things you should care about.
0: And, and just to get back to our question from before, what are some of those things that you've seen, you know, help sustain culture? And what are some of the things you've seen that can erode a healthy culture?
1: Yeah, so um, sustaining culture is difficult. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie that it's not. Um, you have to have some, some very strong individuals that um, care about those things and, and are important to them. Uh, we, we probably have a handful of people that are, are, are those individuals and I'm telling you that these people are are the people that are are the lifeblood of of your your organization, of your portfolio. Um, they're the people that are you know constantly organizing um, events to to talk about why we do different things. So we do you know a series of lunch and learns to not only our, our own portfolio, but we'll invite other. Um, other business groups and, and different people uh, to come out and, and hear like why, why do we do things um, in, in the manner that we do and these people these people that are very in touch with the culture that, that we've, we''ve built and fostered in our area are, are, the, are the people that are really you know driving that culture. Um, additionally, additionally having some some executive support, is always helpful. So, um, this is, uh, you know, for, um, you know, we value, um, togetherness and, and kind of this, uh, collaboration and, um, building strong teams that are, um, trust-based. Um, so I, I trust you, you trust me, I'm going to give you feedback and you know that it's not malicious. And, you know, I'm, I kind of, uh, we will will you know expect the same um building that kind of culture is, is important so uh, stressing the things and and uh, the activities that build that trust are 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 what we strive for and and you know the uh, just to back to the executive thing like um, you know, having breakfast for everybody in the morning so they can come here and you know kind of eat together and and kind of start their days together and, and some of the you know we, we do, uh, we do the 806 stand up like everyone. So everyone's kind of together, and, and that's just really a, a key theme for us is togetherness. Um, you know, just continue on to the to the after work activities and, and like getting together for a beer, or doing this, and that, and um, different events. It's, it's all about building a trusting relationship. And um, there's individuals, there's executives. Um, I, I think it's everybody's responsibility um that's part of it to to continue to help build the culture. And it's when these practices start to um you start to move away from some of these practices. Um uh you know, we pair program in our in, in our space. So um we, we feel very strongly about that. And we, we talk about the the principles and the reasons why we do this and we kind of echo this. And, um, I don't know, every, every three to six months we'll kind of rehash, um, you know, why, why do we do this? You know, people, you know, especially this is helpful for people coming in. They don't, they don't know why they're, they're doing this. They're, you know, sitting next to a person for eight hours a day you know, why why do I do this? It seems like in business too, you know, what, you don't know why you have to do this education of our culture because they look at it as um, well, your area is twice as expensive because you have uh, two people working on the same problem and, and to like tell them and explain the culture of why we do things is like, no, that's not actually the case. Um, we, We pair program because of X, Y, and Z. And because we, um, you know, it cuts down on the defects because we have two sets of eyes looking at the same problem and, and building and testing. And, you know, now you're not supporting, you know, whole QA kind of division and, and all of these different things. It's, um, it's all about education. It's all about um, uh, just kind of reaffirming to everybody why we do certain practices and the TDD and all, all of these things are like really important. But to, to build that culture, you, you need some uh, very um invested individuals that are continue building that culture
0: yeah i mean it's funny you kind of answered a question that i was thinking of which is you sort of described these almost like um cultural bastions right um and then you also need the executive ambassador uh of that culture and you know, to me, it was like, well, I, I hear you. I can see how that works, but gosh, it seems awfully risky, right? You're, you sort of, your culture then depends on a few very strong champions. Um, but then you also said something um, that was like, it's everybody's responsibility to build a culture. And so, you know, that, that kind of um, answered the question of, I'm like, you know, how do you make this everyone's job? Or at least like, how do you not rely on a few single points of failure um, if uh, if it depends on these these bastions? So um, I don't know if you want to, you know, or, or Jonathan, if you want to comment on kind of the that notion of like, how do you make it everyone's job? Um, if while also recognizing that some strong ambassadors and bastions of a culture are pretty important too
2: yeah um i, I do think you know, like if you can get to the point where it's every where everybody feels that way about it that is a huge win yeah we we've noticed a lot where people will especially pairing there's there's i think we had the same experience as paul had where there's there's a lot of skepticism for pairing and mm-hmm. not only from the leadership level where it feels like you're gonna be churning out half as much stuff because you're you know you've got two people doing one job but even the developers themselves, some of them are, you know, there's lots of, there's still that whole mindset of, of, I come to work at eight o'clock and I throw my headphones on and when I have to get up to go to the bathroom or get my lunch, that's when my headphone comes off. That's when my headphones come off and that's it. And you know, uh, I don't talk to a lot of people. And so that the whole introvert, extrovert thing that, that has, that has made that a challenge. So I think in some cases you almost have to find the right people and, that's something I've I've that's kind of cooked my noodle a lot. Thinking about pivotal is when you look at Pivotal Labs, um, you have all these people that are pairing day in day out, and I look at I look at the culture where I'm at, and I'm like, how did they get all those people to do that? And sometimes I think it has to be you almost have to hire for that, and so mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a challenge in an organization like mine where. Um, I didn't have the luxury of hiring with that with that end goal in mind. So yeah, coming back to your question, how do I make that everybody's job? I think one way to try and make it everyone's job is is um, from the grassroots perspective. Again, if, you know, you've, you've got to find the right group to start with, and then it, if you can show success with that group, it's it's going to take time. But I think sometimes people will naturally sort of self-select out, like hey, I see what you're doing. I see it's successful and I don't want to get in the way, but I can't do that.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, this this has come up a couple times talking about selecting the right group. I mean, Mm -hmm. what's the profile? Is there a profile for identifying the the type of team that is probably going to have good success with, hey, we want to try doing something new and different. And we want to Mm -hmm. incubate it kind of, uh, and try it out and test it and learn what it means. in Our our company. How do you, like, what are you looking for?
2: Um, that is a good question. I'm trying to put that in words. You're not, (laughs) you're looking for people I think that are willing to question authority, not necessarily anarchists because you know, that's, that's not, that's not fun to deal with, but, um, (laughs) but, um, that group you know there's always a few people you can tell like they're yearning for something more Mm -hmm. not necessarily different but but more like hey we could do this better um i watched something the other day um oh i was i started watching uh, a show called hunters on um on amazon and
0: oh yeah my sister just told me about that
2: yeah i'm liking it so far um because of the cultural things that it deals with, it's probably not for everybody. But the one thing I noticed is there was a character in the show who thought really, really differently than everybody else. And he, mm. um, he saw problems in a really, really different way. Um, like as a, as an example, there was, they were, the, he ended up in a police department. I won't go into why, but he, uh, um, he, there was a crime that they, they were having trouble solving and they had, they had plotted the, uh, they had plotted the incidents of this crime on one map and on a different map of the same city, there was bus lines. And he looked at map a and then five minutes later looked at map B and he went, guys, it's obvious this person rides bus line B to get to work or in, you know, in some part of his life. And that's where he, cause that's where he's committing his crimes. Right. Right. Nobody had had taken Map A and Map B and put them together. So you got to find. I think maybe those people that think outside the box a little bit.
0: We've we've touched on sort of grassroots versus executive air cover. So final thoughts on it sounds like you know there's almost like a little bit of both needed at different points. Mm-hmm. But yes. what are kind of closing thoughts on the grassroots versus sort of executive led transformation?
1: Um. I don't think you can do one without the other is, is all is close to impossible. Um, with the executive air cover, you're, you're kind of given space and grace to, to build that culture and without the, the culture, um, you don't have anything to, to build upon. So, um, the grassroots piece of it comes to me in, in finding, and you mentioned this earlier, Dorman, and it was like, how do you find those bastions, uh, those, those people that are going to be your, your, um, the vanguards, if you will, of your culture. Nice. And, Nicely done. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, those are, 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 very special people. And you, you do, you intentionally hire for those type of people and those type of people have a, a very strong uh, emotional IQ. Um, they, they have that, um, that IQ that's very different, like a, a, a level that, um, is empathetic is, 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 you know, always kind of searching and, and these types of people, I would, much, much rather have those people than the so-called 10x engineers. Um, those, those people are important. You know, they're they're great. They're they're going to get things done. But um, if you can find those people that are um, bought into helping build the culture, help um, uh, just kind of working with uh, the group and and the on the trust and and just kind of building this out. So that's what you need and that's what's going to keep it together longer. But again, like back to the other thing, like you can't do it without the executives because uh, you you just need that space. Uh, Otherwise it it crumbles quickly. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think you hit on a point with emotional intelligence. That's a huge deal. Um, And not all engineers have it. So finding a group that has enough emotional intelligence in it to start, I think is really important. And then, you kind of have to sort of work with that group to be like okay now go speak engineer but do it in the emotionally intelligent way that makes them excited mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and then on the executive air cover part I think the other thing that I'd really like to if I had it all to do over again I would want that executive air cover from the perspective of set I'd want that executive setting some wide guardrails around me so that like I can kind of kind of work down the lane and, and, and work a group at a time. But when, when there's that one group who is like, no, we're absolutely not going to do that. You need that executive, almost like the the guardrail, like this is not the exit that you want to take. You can't take that exit. You can keep going the way you're going, but you can't run the opposite direction.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to have you on. This is a a big topic We, we covered lots of uh, areas and I loved getting some of the practical examples and oddball analogies. Uh, those, those tend to prop up. Um, all right. Uh, so thank you so much. And, uh, and we look forward to talking to you again sometime.
2: Thank you.